Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. a small room, Benny. <laughs> hey, welcome to Going Off Track. What, we can't uh, leave that in there? No, we, we can't can leave it in there. tell our fans that we have we never Benny's have in here fun. farting in um, our little room? No. Hooah! <laughs> <clears throat> All right, well, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Sorry I missed that cool podcast that you guys just recorded. We just recorded a podcast. Um, Benny's my stand-in. Yes, here with Benny, Brad, and Steven. Good evening. Uh, quite, quite a crew. I think it's important right now for us to just represent ourselves correctly to our listeners is that I'm home in Jersey. Benny's in the studio uh, in repose. Yeah, he's laying on the couch on his back with a microphone hanging over Yo, his Yo, baby, face. where I'm from, this is called marinating. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, Benny, we're stoked to have you. You're like, you're, you're part of the show. You know that now, right? You're locked in. I, I got to be honest. I feel so welcomed. But it's my general nature to always feel like an outsider. I know Benny's always Whoa. like, "Is it cool if I if I cool if I come in?" I'm like, dude, you can come in whenever you want. I don't want to step on no toes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, you're not. We'll call you the. We'll call you an outsider if you if it makes you feel better. Yeah, maybe it does. <laughs> and today you're, you're part of the show. You've been jumped in. Our special true. guest outsider, special guest Ryan Patterson from Coliseum. Um, they have a new record that just came out called Anxiety's Kiss out on Death Wish. It's super heavy, super awesome, um, and they're taking United Nations, my band, out on tour in June. So oh. their tour starts um, June 5th in Louisville and goes till the 26th in Chicago, and we are on the last five shows, um, starting, I believe, the 22nd in Detroit, 23rd in Cleveland, 24th in Pittsburgh, 25th in Columbus, and 26th in Chicago. So, Dude, that's synergy. Right? I, it, it, promotional synergy so yeah i always forget to promote my own stuff on this podcast so yeah check out check out the new calcium (laughs) record see him on tour and if you live in one of those cities see my band on tour say hi and tell me how much you love the podcast (laughs) if you're listening whenever someone comes up to me at a un show and it's like i love going off track it like really makes my night maybe Uh maybe we should get some shirts printed up and you should take them out on tour we could sell merch for both the band and uh and then pocket all going that off going track. off track dough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the acronym true. is GOT. 
You could literally do so much stuff. Yeah. Oh true. yeah. I don't. I don't know though. I don't know if people want. Uh, once in a while, we get an email about shirts, but I don't know if people want shirts about the podcast. Maybe do more of like a whip it out Wednesdays kind. Maybe of they thing. want a flask. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. The replacements had flasks at their show. Of yeah. course they did. did in you honor get one? of Bob Stinson, right? <laughs> did you get one, Brad? No. No. <laughs> I have a. I have a flask that Stephen gave me in honor of. Going off track, dude. Yeah, I never prom- don't peel don't peel that sticker off because then you'll see where it's really from. <laughs> I have a promotional flash someone gave me so long ago for the movie Gosford Park. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is there, That's is an there amazing a, fucking a heavy, movie, by the way. Is it? I've never seen it. It's so good. I've seen it so many times. It's actually really good. It's like, why would I ever care about the servants of like a, a highbrow British? Uh, lodging, but it's I, I really enjoy it. It's it's awesome, but it's just like the series. What's this? Yeah. It's exactly the same as that uh, Downton Abbey. Yeah, Downton Abbey. It's like literally the same. Am I not allowed to say downtown? <laughs> uh, it's down, on, downtown Abbey. Depends is on what different... you're talking about. <laughs> no, that's that's that stripper from New York Dolls, Downtown Abbey. <laughs> it sounds like a very Princeton way to say it every time I hear of it. Downton. Downtown Abbey. Just just to be sure, I live on the opposite side of tracks from Princeton. Like the parents of the kids in my kids' preschool, like I see their homes and I'm like, oh wow, you have way more than three bedrooms in your house. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, that is true. Steven showed me the whole range of Princeton when I was there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there is a range. Are you in like... Jonah came by and stayed over and it happened to be uh, record store day. So we drove by Princeton Record Exchange, which is, as you know, exceptional. But there was a line wrapped around the block and just like two old jaded music heads, Jonah and I were like, yeah, no fucking way. If if it was a line of like four people, I would have been like, eh. And there's a line of way more. Dude, I, I wouldn't even, I can't even go to the record exchange on after five o'clock. Really? Like, I will only go on like a Wednesday at 11 a.m. Yep. Is the only time <laughs> I'll go there. Yeah. That's how I feel about going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, me and my wife, we do that now. We go out to eat when restaurants open at five. So we can just beat the rush yep. and be almost like home on the couch except, by six thirty. Except that for the the oldies and also the people like me with kids are sometimes there at that hour. Mm. Yeah, you get the the little loud mouths. God, I do remember my life before kids when I used to miss br- brunch sometimes, like because I couldn't get out of the house. Oh yeah, I yeah. Jonah stayed over. That. He didn't. He didn't roll down the steps till around nine thirty, and the kids had been up for four hours. Vampire. I, was I can sleep through anything. Um, all right. Uh, today, Ryan Patterson, Coliseum. <laughs> Check out Anxiety's Kiss. Ryan Patterson, thanks for coming to Going Off Track. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Great. Just saw you in Austin for a minute. Yeah, brief minute. Uh, yeah, I told Trevor, I was like, Trevor, I feel like Trevor kind of like. Big time me. Like I was like talking to you and then, and then Trevor's like, Ryan has some interviews to do, man. Yeah. He was, he was doing that. He was like, okay. It, it, <laughs> I, it made me feel important. He was definitely <laughs> ushering me and then uh, people were interviewing and he was coming in and cutting off. Yeah. And, he yeah. was doing that with us too. Yeah. It felt pretty good, right? Yeah. It was very nice. I was like, wow, my, I'm very important. Yeah. You were in, in high, high demand. Yeah. For like 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a 30 minute block at 10 minutes at a time, I was very important. Yes. Um, and I, can't believe not not to start things on such a controversial topic, but it's so hot outside. Are you super hot? I'm pretty good right You're good? now. You're good, yeah. Because uh, I wear a lot of black, also. Yeah, and I forgot. Like in the summertime, it can be a real bum out. Yeah, we were enjoying the weather so far up here, but 
reminding ourselves that most people in New York don't have air conditioning. Right. And that in a few weeks it's going to be painful. Yeah. Everybody in Louisville has air conditioning. Really? You can't, you can't handle it. You would just, you know, people die from the heat all the time. So, so right now is okay. Any more will be too much for yeah. us. I think. Yeah. Have you lived in Louisville your entire life? More or less. I, I was, my brother and I were born in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, which okay. is about an hour east of Louisville. And then when we were, when I was eight, we moved to Elizabethtown, which is uh, about an hour, kind of like a triangle, like an hour down from there south. Then we moved moved back to Louisville uh, when we were out of high school. But my family is all from Louisville. My 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 parents and their parents, and you know, so we we go quite a few generations back from Louisville. But we weren't born there because my parents went to college out of town. Okay, but uh, so we kind you know it's it's home. Yeah. Do you ever check out, is there like a lot of like Civil War stuff down there? Or is not, that not so much? Not really because Kentucky was kind of split. Okay. It was a, you know, it was a brother against brother kind of state. There is a, some type of Civil War fort on the very south end tip of Louisville, but I think it's just a tiny bit of ruins. I've never seen it, but so there's not a lot of that. Like, I think we were definitely like a a middle ground state. Okay. Yeah. I'm really, I feel like I've forgotten everything about history and geography. <laughs> Louisville's like not, I mean, Kentucky is Southern, but Louisville itself is not extremely Southern. I mean, it's, it's, it's as, I don't know. It's as, as progressive as Kentucky can be. Okay. You know, and it's, it's just on kind of on that edge. Although Indiana's kind of like, it's weird. You know, it's, it's, it's Northern, you know, farther North than us, but it's, it's extremely more conservative than Louisville, you know, that state in general. Right. So it's kind of like everything resets as it goes there and then kind of resets again as it hits Chicago. Yeah. Well, I'm from Cleveland. Okay. So it's like, I feel like it's, there's parts of Ohio that are just totally like that too. I right. Mean, like Southern Ohio. And, and even though Ohio's scene is kind of being a progressive state. Right. You know, there are those, those pockets. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I always associate Louisville. In high school, I used to go to Crazy Fest. Okay. And I went to the first one, I think the third one. But I know, you know, obviously, like, Initial was down there, all these labels. But I really feel like what you guys, you, you guys do is so heavy. I mean, were you really, were you informed by, like, Falling Forward or Slint or any of these kind of legendary kind of Louisville bands? Yeah, I, I came up, like, I started going to shows in, I think, ninety. Three was my first show that I went to. I think the first show I went to was Jawbox in 93. And so that was kind of the heyday of, of Endpoint and Falling Forward. Uh, their their album hadn't come out, but the 7-inch was out. And so Endpoint and Falling Forward, that was kind of my big thing in high school. You know, I really loved those bands and Guilt. Yeah. Um, so I was really into that. You know, So that was huge for me at the time. Of course, I don't really feel that it, I feel that it's like my, you know, it's my roots as a kid, but I don't feel that it informs me now. Right. But, uh, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jawbox in 93 is a pretty credible first show. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel say. really lucky to have seen that, that on, it was novelty tour. I think they had just put out that, uh, 
can't remember the name of that seven inch. There was a seven inch that, not the tongues, ones and zero seven inch, but there was another seven inch right after that that I think was maybe the first one was Zach Baracus. Okay. Um, and that seven inch they had there. And and so that was my first show. And, and that was because Discord was like the first thing that I latched onto before Louisville bands. I, I didn't know there were Louisville bands. I knew there was Discord and right. DC bands. So that was that was what first enticed me to find shows and go to see shows. And then from there, I found out about a local scene. Yeah, because we had, because um, Jeremy Devine put out our record mm-hmm. on Tempres and he, we had him on the podcast. And yeah, I didn't realize, he was talking about all Stunk and Barlow bands and all stuff I hadn't thought about in so long. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a huge part of it. I mean, I, I gave my first band's demo tape to Duncan from Endpoint and Guilt and to Chris from Falling Forward. And those guys, and Mark from Enkindle, those guys were extremely helpful and extremely kind to me. I mean, they, you know, the whole thing, like they, they wrote me, I gave them the demo, they wrote me a letter, you know, mailed me the letter to Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and were nice and helpful, and then, I put on a show in, in Elizabethtown that that was like Falling Forward, um, Guilt, and Kindle, a couple of bands from Michigan, and that was like the first show I ever put on, and uh, all these Louisville bands, all these Louisville kids came down, and then my, my band from my hometown played last, because I thought that since we were the local band, we should play last, Right. and all the Louisville kids left, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was just like, you know, like 30 kids from my town stayed, but... Uh, those guys were really, really supportive. And then, and then when the time came that I wanted to kind of go up to Louisville and be in bands, those guys, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were like, they weren't like join Endpoint, but right. they did. I did join in Kindle. I, be, I joined, really? yeah, I joined the in Kindles. So I was the bass player on the, the buzz clip 2000 album. And the first touring I did was in that band. You know what? I saw them. I don't know if you would have been, I think I saw them play this weird place in upstate New York with that band, um, with the dude, that band Jersey. It was Greg from Grade. Okay, it's Um, possible. But it was that era. But that's so funny because I felt like that band was so highly stylized. Like, I felt like they were all, like, had, like, pompadour. Like, I was like, oh, these guys are, like, fashion-y looking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was into all that stuff. Really? Yeah, like, yeah. (laughs) We all were, like, you know. I mean, practically what we wear now, we all wore black and, and pompadours and we, you know, we wanted to be rocking the crypt basically. And, uh, and that was cool. I mean, it was, I will have the greatest memories of that time because it was like, you go on tour with no money in the shittiest van. And I remember there was a tour that was Boyce It's Fire, King for a Day and in Kindles. And the first show was in Las Vegas. And I think we had a show in St. Louis with like the get up kids and, and uh giant's chair in an alley. Like it was in an alley with like a fucking generator and we played. And then there was like a week before the next show. So we just camped out and went to the grand Canyon and I left to go on the tour with $17 and, to my name and at Stinkweeds in Arizona. I, I begged the owner to let me clean the bathroom and she bought me pizza to eat. I mean, it was just shit that, you know, I'm like, that's fucking crazy. You know, I was 19 years old and I just thought like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, you didn't, I didn't call my parents. I didn't call anybody. I just left with no money and, you know, just did whatever you could. And not in like a really, a like a, a crust punk kind of way. Like we weren't like dumpster diving, but, but in, in, in more of just like a subtle, like suburban kid kind of way, you know, I mean, 
petty petty theft and shit like that but but it was a cool time like and those to kind of circle back is like those guys ushered me in and so even now when i see duncan barlow he he says like you know i'm proud of you you know and then it it still means something to me those guys like i looked up to them a lot and and i know that they take pride that that for what it's worth i'm still at it and then and i've you know i don't know (laughs) made good on what i wanted to do as a kid you know when i when i was 15 years old and i handed them that demo all i ever want to do is put out records and play shows and now here it is 20 years later and that's what i'm doing yeah totally that's amazing yeah i mean in kindles i think of as such like sort of like a funny band like mark obviously was really hilarious like kind of goofy i feel like what you do at the coliseum is sort of so much darker and more serious (laughs) yeah yeah um i mean like how i mean obviously it's a long time has passed but how did you sort of get more on i guess that path it's like well i think i'm a a much more serious person and i think that like mark from enkindle it was at that time maybe a uh I don't know. I mean, this is, this is all heady stuff to talk about, like to look back, you know, I'm sure uh, thinking about people who are dealing with insecurities or things in life that, that make them put themselves out in that way. And, and, and those guys in particular, they were, they were so fucking mean to me. Like I was a kid, you know, I was a, I was a, a shit too. I was a little brat, like, and not in like a whiny way, but, you know, I just, uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. You know I mean? My, my equipment was garbage. I, I could, I could play, but I don't know. I was, I was a dumbass. you know? And, and, and they, they picked on me, you know, they made me, I, I felt bad, but I was an insecure kid. So looking back, I'm like, you know, I see how they were dealing with, with their demons. And, and so Mark dealt with them by being a showman. And there was a point when I said, you know, you guys want to go like try to be a pop punk band or something. And that's not really my thing. Um, so, so I, you know, I, I left the band. It was kind of a mutual decision and I went on to do other things. And so I kind of think that was always in me. I mean, I did bands in high school. Where I was the singer and there was a lot of probably awkward, like, uh, you know, awkward stage banter, you know, <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah. you know, opening up too much and things that I probably still do occasionally on a, on a bad night. So, um, I think that was always there. And, and, and that was probably why I, I felt like I wanted to be the, the singer of a band and why I gravitated back toward that eventually. Did you always gotten along with your brother and sort of collaborated with him? Yeah. I mean, you know, as kids, we, we were on this path together. I mean, we, we, there was kind of a point where I started bands and I bought a guitar and then, you know, he would play my guitar and I don't know, it was like, it was kind of hand in hand. I mean, you know, I bought records, he listened to them and he, you know, there were bands, there were kind of bands that were like his bands when we were little kids. Like, like he had all the dinosaur junior cassettes, you know, I remember I, I, I never really bought any dinosaur junior stuff when I was a kid. Cause he had it all. And, 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 you know, I might've had all the Fugazi stuff. And so he just listened to that. So that there's that kind of thing. And, and so it was kind of a, 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 you know, a mixing and then 
but he was four years younger. So he was still in high school. And so when I was out of high school and I started going on tour, he couldn't really do that. So there was a little bit of a division there. And then he, he started doing this band called the national acrobat when he was still in high school and I was doing in Kindle and then this band called automatic that was kind of short lived. And then I was about to move to California and work, uh, work, I was working at initial records and then I did a California tour with automatic and wanted to move to California and work for revelation. And I was like, the California dream is the shit, you know, like hardcore is alive. And, you know, I wanted to like go out there and, and Evan, it was like, Hey, you should stay here. We just kicked out the guitarist national acrobat. You should join this band and stay here. So I did that. And, uh, so then we were in that band together. And then when that band broke up, we did black widows, which became black cross. And, um, so yeah, I was always really closely knit. And then eventually I think it was, um, I don't think there was any like ego clash in the, in those bands, but I think, we were both also also drawn to be the leader of our own packs really. So we haven't really musically collaborated at all in a long time. And I think that, I think we're kind of on our own. I don't know. It's weird. You know, our, 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 our roads is kind of like they drive right next to each other and they kind of intersect and, and, uh, and I think some of what he's doing is kind of made, like his the public perception is maybe young widows, but he's doing a lot of stuff at home with that's kind of different from that. Um, so our our musical journey is like not as like intertwined anymore, which uh, which is hard for me, you know. But also, I don't really know. I think we also both both work really well on our own. Yeah, you know. So I don't really know that. I don't know that we would doing a band together would really work you know i don't know i don't know that we'd be like the meat puppets or and like hate each other you know, right, you know, right, you right. know? No, totally. i don't want to be that you know so so it's but it's still it's still so closely tied right you know i mean even though it's like we're not touring together we're not making music together it's still like it seems like shirt killer and that stuff crosses over exactly yeah. yeah i mean it's all still very very much of the same community yeah that's funny. My sister and I never worked together until like the last couple of years. Okay. So we've had kind of the opposite yeah. kind of trajectory. It's it's fun, but it's, yeah, it's still sort of new. That's cool. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Dude, I, I, so I have the automatic seven inch. Okay. I've listened to it in a while, but I had this flashback to those um, initial catalogs. Mm -hmm. Do you remember they would have like girls in them? Like they would always have like some like some were you in one of the initial catalogs no no Jim. okay <laughs> but yeah that was like the first time i remember seeing that and be like this is so crazy there's like some i don't know Th that was like living in ohio and getting those in the mail it's like this is amazing there are girls into this kind of music <laughs> like it was i felt like they were like andy was really smart about that stuff yeah there's like a and that was a little bit before my like that was right before my time okay. working in initial so you know that that period of initial the, the the initial records DSC distribution service center was the brainchild of of Andy Rich who owned Initial Records and Scott Richer who had done Slam Deck Records and and Sunspring and Metro Shifter and Scott was like the graphic designer and Scott did all those catalogs okay. or those early catalogs like the one with with the uh, the girl was a model she was like a girl from Louisville and uh, yeah and you know and that, and that was like really controversial like right, like right. Rob 
uh, Rob Pennington from Endpoint and By the Grace God, and, and he and I have played music together for many years through Black Widows and Black Cross, and now we play together in Black God. And uh, uh, Rob, you know, was in in like a more idealistic time. You know, right, had, right. had made some kind of statement on a stage a show in Louisville that like that was using sex to sell, you know, even though it's just like a girl in a hoodie, like opening records, you <laughs> right, know? Right, right, right. And then th- there was a time when that was like seen as being like sexist. Totally. Which is really funny. Yeah. And and totally sexist in its own right. That that's, how fucked up is that? That you can't just have a photo of a girl like opening records, you know, she's not getting out of a, a pool like draped in initial, you know, right. stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a cool time. It was exciting. And, 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 uh, I don't know. It's like, I, it was, I don't know it was big for me, man. That was big for me. I, and there's a lot of stuff that like, I have a lot of really fond memories about all that. Like I, I started working in initial in 98, uh, right after the first crazy fest. Okay. And then was there till the end till, um, and did every, like I started as like the zine guy and then, went on to become like the graphic designer and then I designed the catalogs for a long time and then then was the label manager and then and booked Crazy Fest for many years. And uh so yeah, it was like I mean that without Andy Rich who an initial, I don't think my journey as as a guy in bands would be, have been the same. Like he's definitely the one guy in life that I can pinpoint just was like, here's a job, here's a computer you know, here's Here's a Mac. Here's here's a phone you can use as much as you want. Here's an email account. Here's everything you want to do. You know, design some ads for me. You know, ship out some some ads to some zines. Yeah, I don't know. It was like the work you did there was 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 important and, yeah. and meaningful. But it was also like you can book your own tours here. You can have band practice in the back. You can put on a fucking show in the back of the place. Yeah, you can go on tour. I mean, after a couple of years, I was on salary, so I could go on tour and still get a check. And he's a person, one of a few in my life that like truly believed in me. And and not that like I would return an investment, you know, but just right, like right. I, you know, I just I don't know. He's just a great friend, and that like that changed the course of my life, like. I went from being that kind of shitty kid who was in the, who was in the Kindles, who was like working part-time jobs and whatever to being like somebody who's like, okay, now I can know how to do all this stuff for myself. I can book tours. I can put out records. I can, I can do all this stuff, which now I am able to continue to do. So yeah. And that's all through that world, that, that community that, that, that Louisville had and initial had and, and, you know, some of it kind of, as those things do, like some, some of it went down in flames. Some of it didn't. Uh, some people went on to do like completely different things. And in some ways, like me and Shirt Killer, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the last remaining like thread from that thing that's involved, like from that, that world that's still really directly involved in, in music. I mean, some of those people are still in bands and stuff. Right. But, uh. That's kind of interesting to me sometimes to think about that, like because it was this almost like an empire, you know. But then totally. people went on to all these different things, and I feel like a lot of people don't talk about, like, don't know about it anymore, or don't talk about like how kind of massive it was. Yeah, 
I mean, influence because I was doing the scene Law of Inertia at the time. Okay, of course. And I mean, this guy Ross and yeah, Ross, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean, that was like big. Like, we would drive to Crazy. I mean, like all those records were so huge for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think Crazy Fest was. I think it was instrumental for better or worse in setting forth whatever that festival culture was totally that, that, that followed, which almost is. Which is weird is like it, it became a touring th- festival circuit and then it kind of crashed and now it's like whatever it is now. I mean, I guess there's like, there's still, I guess it's still that thing like fun, fun, fun and FYF and all that. And a lot of those guys, like if you ask Graham from fun, 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 like he would point to crazy fest as an inspiration. I mean, he came up for those. And so I think crazy fest was huge in, in establishing a lot of that, not like for Coachella or something right, like right, that, right. but, but for the the ones that have roots in punk and hardcore, I think I think it was pretty instrumental in that, which is pretty wild to think about. But yeah, like, but who's going to write the book on that? <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, what, right. What's like, where's the lineage? You know, written down. It, those are things that are kind of lost to history. Yeah, that's true. So, sort of, what happened? So, post initial is that you start Coliseum, or did you leave town, or kind of at the end? Um, initial uh, closed in. Um, what early 2005? Yeah. So like Coliseum formed in late 2003. Okay. So I've been doing the band black cross, which we put out an we were called black widows. We put out an EP on initial. We signed to equal vision. Equal vision wanted us to change our name because they just gone through all the American nightmare lawsuit stuff. Oh, gotcha. And they knew that black widows was like a name that a million <laughs> bands had used. So we went through all this crap and spent like real money to have our name trademarked and all that stuff. And, and, uh, I feel like Black Cross would also be a hard one to get trademarked. It's true, but we did it. You know, it was okay. like legit. And, um, so we put out a record on Equal Vision. We did some tours, like, did a tour with, like, a summer tour Thursday and some other things. And, and we were kind of going along and it was pretty cool. And, and that was me and my brother and, and Rob Pennington singing and various drummers. And we recorded our album with Jay Robbins in Louisville. And, and then Rob, uh, our singer, his wife had had some uh, health issues, and and he's a, a college professor, and or was on his way to being one, and it just kind of became apparent that like he's like I can't do what we're trying to do, and in terms of time, and my brother was on he had already started Breathe or Resist, and they were starting to tour a lot, and Deathwish was putting out their record. And so I was like 26 maybe, and I'm like, I mean, it's funny to think that at 26, I felt like I was at this point where I'm like, oh, 26, I've never toured Europe. I, I felt like I was missing out on all these things. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back on my 20s, and I'm like, I've just done all these bands, these like one seven-inch, you break up, two EPs, whatever. And I wanted to, to just be like this this is it this is the stamp like this this is the band i've done you know i like everything else is is just other things that that i've done for fun that i did this one thing and this is the statement i made and and so that was why i started coliseum with the idea that i could sing and i could play guitar and without it being like cruel or or cutthroat like if someone else quit i wouldn't have to start over every time somebody decided they didn't want to do the band anymore 
So November 2003, uh, I started that. We put out our first record in June of 20, 2004 on Level Plane and just started touring a lot. And then um, initial started to close and, and close down completely in, in early 2005, which is right around the same time, like like Mortem closed, Mortem Distribution closed. Um, maybe the end of 2004, or like Mortem was a huge distributor that was initials distributor and like, or no, I'm saying, take it back. They sold, Mortem sold to to Doghouse or to Lumberjack. Okay. And then when that happened, that was like the end for initial. And, you know, initial went from the point where like releases were selling. I don't know. I don't really know exactly, but, you know, things went from selling 10, 20, 30,000 to like two or three or four or five. And it was just like money was gone. So the label just kind of, I th- you know, I didn't own the label. I just worked there. And so I think it declared bankruptcy and, and, and Andy, the owner went on to different things. Um, so from there on, I, I just started doing freelance design for my income and just started doing the band the band toured a lot. And, uh, so that was kind of a, that was like the big, big change in my life where, yeah, pretty much, I mean, Coliseum started while initial was still happening, but so it was kind of like that change of eras. So like there wasn't a crazy fest that we ever played and we never did a release on initial. And part of that was by design. I didn't want initially to do a record on initial because I kind of wanted to have it set up, you know, aside from that. Um, so it was kind of like one was ending as the other was beginning. I think it also calls him has such a different kind of like aesthetic and kind of sensibility. Yeah. I mean, I, and part of initial at the end, I was I was kind of trying to put my, I was I was putting out some records that were low key for initial like Lords and and Black Widows, and I did that Black Flag tribute and some things oh, like right, that. Right. They were totally outside of totally outside of initials normal thing, um, which didn't really make sense for initial, but they were they were what were was happening in Louisville and with me. Um, but yeah, Coliseum just didn't really feel right. And and I wanted Coliseum initially. I, I was really kind of reinvigorated by like, you know, talk is poison and his hero's gone and like that kind of undercurrent of punk at that time. Because, you know, obviously there's that shift in like, there's that point with where there was like that world of zines and hardcore that all kind of existed together that, that like, Ebullition and Doghouse and Discord wasn't really all that different. You know, it was, but like it was all, they were all like indie labels. And then some, a lot of those labels kind of became like really business minded. And, and, and a lot of them really want, they, the guys that own those labels wanted to be businessmen and make money and sell records. And, and I just, there was that big shift. And that was just really, I don't know. I got really disillusioned by that. And so I kind of became inspired by it, like a whole different world of music. And that was part of what was inspiring Coliseum at the time, which, which I, I find a lot of that stuff, like, you know, things like prank and feral ward and stuff like that at the time and still, but like, I found that kind of more akin to music that I grew up with in terms of like, just things made for art versus made for profit. Right. Where a lot of like the, the nineties hardcore 
that was made for art at one point, the people behind it some kind of, kind of shifted toward profit. But I also think there was like a knee jerk like reaction from people about profit because like I feel like I remember when like Get Up Kids Four Minute Mile came out, I was like, these guys are selling out. Like yeah. this is radio music or like Jimmy World Claire. It's like all those are, like I felt and I was like living in my parents' basement or like my parents were paying <laughs> right. for my college or something. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with with making money from art by any means. Yeah. I mean and I think more power. More power to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I I just think that there's a, I think there's a way to do it tastefully, a way to do it with, I don't know, a way to do it with community in mind or, or with, with, with integrity. I mean, you can, I think you could say like Merge has done that or, totally. you know, there are lots of labels and, and bands that have done that, but it seemed like the 90s hardcore thing, like it started to get really like... I don't know. I don't know who made the money first, but then it seemed like everybody else wanted it. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, and, and a lot of like, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of labels thinking like, well, God I could have signed the get up kids. Like right, everybody right. could have signed the get up kids at one point. And then somebody did and they kind of became popular. And then everyone's like, wow, oh, man, you know, and it's like, who cares? You know, just, right, right. just, just do what you want to do and, and hope it, you know, hope it catches or whatever. The craziest part of that era for me was when bands would like would sign to Victory and then like be mad. They'd be like, "Ugh, we don't have a good." Day. I was like, "Dude, your label's been sued like thirty five times. Like, what do you <laughs> right. like, what did you think was going to happen?" Exactly. Yeah, it's not like there's a, a huge, you know, heartwarming story <laughs> right, back right, there. Right, yeah, right, yeah, totally. yeah. But yeah, that was that's such a funny time. I mean, what sort of kept you kind of moving forward with this stuff? Because I feel like a lot. Of, I was at a show recently and someone was like, "Oh, it's so cool, you're still playing." I was like, "Uh huh." I was like, "We're like." This band used to They're like, yeah, we're still the only guys kind of still doing it. Like everyone feel, you know, a lot of people move on to other things yeah. or get married or kind of not that you can't do both, but I mean, what's kind of kept you kind of, I guess, active. Um, just absolute dumb stubbornness. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, um, it's like this, this strange mixture of like, absolute love and passion for it and like a a complete burning desire for it and 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 pure passion and and like feeling like it is truly pumping through my veins and and absolutely in my dna and then and then maybe this this other part of i don't know what percentage of that is that that is maybe that fear of change or or you know, not knowing what you would do, uh, right. uh, you know, or, um, I don't really know. It's just, it's just who I am. What, what else? I don't know what else I would do. Um, and not that that means I don't want to do it, but certainly there is a, t there is an internal monologue in the times when it sucks. And I think that, that, you know, I push myself and I push our band to, to work hard and to probably work a lot harder and to do a lot more than most, most bands, um, our size should, because we're still a relatively, even though we're like a pretty well-known band, we're a relatively small band. Um, there's a, there's a lot of struggle and, and in those like dark times, I'm like, why do I do this? You know what? And that's, and that's a hard decision. I mean, I, not that I fear being at home because I love being at home and, 
And as time goes on, it gets harder to leave home. You know, I mean, that's like these days, like when I was a kid, it was like, it was, you know, I felt weight pressing down when I returned home from tour. You know, that was when like, oh God, I'm going home, you know. Right. But now it's like the weight's pressing down when you're leaving for tour because it's like home is great and home is, is very content. And and to leave that is is difficult. Um, so I don't know. I mean, but I, I every time that there's there's a point when I'm like, okay, this is it. This is really this has maybe become this is a, a a breaking point where I think I need to really pull back or, or stop or whatever. Something happens that that makes me. Th- want to continue to do it, you know, or something reminds me that why I do it or, or something comes up that says, well, okay, well that, you know, there's another goal to look forward to. There's the next thing. So, um, but I don't really know. I mean, I think, yeah, definitely part of it is, is like, you know, I don't have any kids. I mean, I think that would be a big change. And, and a lot of people went to school or got jobs and, and those kind of things became the balancing factor where I always worked to make life set up so that I could continue to do the band or, or, you know, do a band. And I saw that young. I don't know why, I don't know why that clicked, but I think I saw early on like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like most of my heroes aren't making a living from their bands. Most of them have labels or they are, designers or they own recording studios or you know i saw that pretty early on that like most of them weren't just like oh, okay cool they're just artists who just play guitar and play shows and the rest of the time they lounge in a pool like that that was not the case of most of the bands and that i love and and i guess i'm really lucky that i <laughs> grew up really loving like the discord bands and some people some bands like that that that, that was kind of obvious that they did other things um and I always kind of knew that I needed to, to do other things. And, and so like I always looked to graphic design and, and, and doing other things like, you know, that's why I do shirt killer and, and, you know, and, and offer what is hopefully a, a service for other bands, you know, an online store. So bands can have someone sell their merch online that they trust. And, and it affords me somewhat of a living and, and, you know, brings them cash every month so um i don't know so yeah i mean part of it is setting it up but also part of it is circumstance i think that forethought is really i mean i feel like i was the same like i quit my job at ap and started writing and i was like well i can write when i'm on tour this is something i can always do but i feel like i have so many friends who are like in their mid-30s who like dropped out of school to do their band now maybe their band isn't as big as it used to be or broke mm-hmm. up and it's like you must have to like start over yeah Which, i mean i i never I never expected to like catch and suddenly make a living on the band. And that's the thing. Even now when I get frustrated with the state of, of things with the band, it's never about money. Like my, my gripe or frustration with things with Coliseum has never been about money. The only thing I ever want is people at the shows. Like really nothing else matters to me. Like, I don't care how many records we sell, as long as the label's okay to put out another one. Right. And so far that's been okay. You know, that's so far that's worked out. 
as long as like, yeah, I mean, the only thing I want is people at the shows. And that's a hard thing, really. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of bands in the world and like, you know, I don't know. And that's that's something that's been a struggle for us and it and it ebbs and flows and, and it's something that I take really personally. Um and like really like like weighs on me, puts me in a dark place. Um other than that, and that's the thing too, is like other than that, everything else is great. So that's the weird thing too. Sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I just, we should be that band that plays 10 shows a year. And then, you know, it'd be, I would never get in that bummed out state. Right, right. You know, but I'm also that dude who's still like, we've got a tour, you know, and, and sometimes we like book a tour and then I look at the routing and I'm like, didn't I tell myself not to do this? Or I, you know, or Jamie sends me a text and says, I thought you weren't going to do that anymore. I'm like, oh yeah, I I forgot. But like, I'm hardwired to like tour, tour, tour. You know, it's like record comes out, do this tour and this tour and this tour and we do this tour. And that's just how my brain works because I've done that since I was 17 years old. Um, And I like doing it. I mean, I I love it. You know, I mean, I love traveling around and, and every time I'm in a city and I'm doing something, I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't get to see this guy. I mean, I would probably get to be in New York City but I might not get to, I would definitely not to get to be in like, I don't know where, <laughs> you know, right. there's plenty of places I get to go that I would not be on any, you know, annual basis where I have good friends that I get to see. And that's meaningful to me and very important. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of me that continues to, to happen. Yeah. I mean, you definitely would not be hanging out with me for an hour in New York. So this is cool. Yeah, this is great, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool for me. I mean, do you feel like, um, like maybe because of the nature of Coliseums, like I feel like there's so much like, so many like skulls and sort of like darker imagery and sort of like with you, I mean, do you feel like when people meet you, I mean, I feel like you could be maybe imposing if someone didn't know you, like, do people think you're like this kind of like dark kind of torture guy that's just going to talk about like Anton LaVey or something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't really know what, uh, other people's perceptions. Are, yeah, I don't I guess. know. I mean, I, I mean, do you feel like you're a pretty happy person generally? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm I'm uh, probably drawn to like a little more of a a darker place than like I think I'm a happy person and an easygoing person, but yeah. I, I think I'm probably a little more intense than like than most people, but or not me not most most people, but than some people, but it probably takes a little while to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm probably, if we're on tour with a band, a band's probably going to be shocked at how goofy we are when we're on tour or hanging out. But if you're my bandmates, you're probably going to be like, God, I wish Ryan would fucking lighten up. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, so, right, right, so, right. You know, it's kind of that mixture where like, yeah, some nights in the van, they're probably like, damn, that dude needs to chill out, you know? <laughs> but that's that's like all these years in is when they know that. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I think when someone sees me, they, I don't know what, I don't know what they think, but they, they definitely make an assumption and, and it's generally wrong. Right. You know, uh, and, and generally I don't bother to correct them. I just, whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, what was I going to say? Um, and I had something I really wanted to bring up. Um, 
Is it about? Oh, uh, Death Wish. Mm-hmm. Um, this is crazy that, and I feel like you've worked with so many labels of your career. It's insane to me that you haven't had other Coliseum releases on Death Wish. For some reason, when I saw that announcement, I was like, "This hasn't this happened already." Yeah. Well, there's like so many even that things don't things people don't know about. There's so much connection with Death Wish. So Death Wish started in like well, like 2001 or two or something like that. And right when National Acrobat broke up, which I think was the end of 2001, and Death Wish started, and Jake said, oh, well, you know, we, we, we wanted to put out a National Acrobat full length. And we were like, oh, you know, you know we wouldn't have broken up, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And, and that was, we met the Converge guys when we were in National Acrobat, and they were incredibly gracious to us they took there was a weekend of shows they took us out on which was like converge cave-in hope con and us wow and it was like boston i know it was a uh, cb's baltimore somewhere else I mean, it was like crazy you know uh and those guys have always been great and there was like a, a black widows uh, i don't know if you remember the band downpour from atlanta they became power in the glory no. and, and death wish put out their record but there was a uh, Black Widow's downpour split that was like designed and everything and then was aborted the last minute. Um, all these different things, you know, and I've designed a bunch of records for them. We did the seven inch with them. So yeah, it was like when we, when we signed to the label, everyone's like, Oh, you re-signed. And I'm like, no, no, you know, we were never on the label. So yeah, it just kind of fit. And, uh, so yeah, it's perfect. I mean, those guys, and, and I think back about them and, you know, really, I mean, Jake and and all the Converge guys, but Jake and, and Nate, like, those guys have never said no to me about anything. Like, yeah. And, and they have taken my bands on so many tours and been so helpful. And it's really kind of unbelievable that over, like, a span of, like, 15 years, it's, like, put out records, put out other projects of mine. Uh, I mean, just any number of things and they're just always happy to do it. And it's, it's really pretty wild. I mean, I, I can think of no other band or group of individuals that have been that helpful to me. And it's really, really awesome. And, and it feels good. I mean, it feels right. And I, and I think that the way that they go about reaching people and, and, and how, I don't know how invested they are in, in what they do. That's what we wanted. I, I think we wanted a label that was like really about reaching people and like that, that people felt connected to, you know, we, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what will change. I have no idea. Um, cause I think we're always going to be like this, this odd band out. That, that's kind of my feeling that we're kind of always going to be floating around because we don't really fit into you know the, the exact cog that that music needs to fit into right um or that we don't really come from you know like maybe if we came from an exact cog or what people saw as that then they could kind of connect us there but um but I, the so far it's like what it's what we wanted you know we wanted a label that was really going to like i don't know champion us which is i felt what we needed cuz sometimes i feel like we're i don't know that, that maybe it's just this Louisville thing. I just feel like an underdog or something. Right, right, I don't right. Know. 
Well, it's also like I feel like I just, so much of that stuff I just don't know how to do. Like I feel like I like playing music. Yeah. And then all the promotion and market, like if all my projects, I'm just like, I'm not good at this part. Right, right. Like how do you know how to do this? Like you yeah. don't want to be annoying about it. Of course. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you, you, you don't want to do that. I mean, right. I, you know, I, I, nobody, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm happy to sit around and talk to people about music and about the band or, or the record or whatever. But yeah, like, I don't want to have to try to like sell myself. Yeah. You know, and, um, I don't know. And, and to try to have to figure out like what, how you, how you interact with this world now, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird. It's, I just feel like people are so oversaturated with stuff. I don't want to be like another thing. Yeah. They're like, and check me out. But I'm right. also like, I don't want to be in a vacuum either. Right. I kind of, so, I kind of started to give up a little bit. Yeah. Like, like lately I've been like, I don't know, posting more than I used to, or like being maybe a little more obnoxious. Like someone writes a headline. I'm like, I've, we post the link and I'm like, here's my reaction to that headline where I think before I would be like, not really comment. Right. And, and you know, like someone, some headline said that, that the second single we just released sounded like clutch listening to Marilyn Manson and I'm like okay that does not that's like absolutely inaccurate and I want to make fun of that I'm not going to do that but right right but like some other things I'm just like okay you know if it's like not I'm not going to like tear anybody apart but I've also I don't know Trevor our publicist you know said like said something and I was like I'm not going to do that and he's like you've earned the right and I was like all right you know what fuck you know like, yeah, yeah, yeah. gave me a little bit of like Okay, I have earned the right, goddammit. Yeah. And I'm like, in some cases, I feel like, sure, I've earned the right to, like, be a little bit of a smartass or, or stand up for myself a little more or whatever, you know, or take it all with a little more of a grain of salt because I've spent so long getting so uptight about it or working so hard toward it. Like, yeah. We had, there was some, we posted a video of our set at South By and the comments were like, one of them was when nerds get guitars like they were all and i felt like if i had read that like 10 years ago i would have been so bummed and now i just think it's so funny yeah like I, we were laughing so hard we've avoided comments but one of the ones of our, our new record was that the first video was that uh that our drummer was using a felt beater on the kick drum okay felt beater <laughs> and that the p bass had the classic p bass pickups and we're like so the p like we're using the pickups that came in the bass, but that's not good enough. And we're like, felt beater, you worthless dickhead. You know, just like, should have used the hardest beater. You know, right, like, right, right. What? So, you know, stuff like that, I'm like, cool. But when I see it, it's just like, you know, I, I try to avoid the comments because, of course, you know, it's like the, yes. the dregs of the dregs. And, but uh, sometimes they're so funny that they're just like, they provide hours of entertainment. Yes. But you never know when it's going to be that one that strikes me right in the heart, you know. And yeah, sometimes when they, they all, yeah, the only ones that bug you are when, like, they hit on something that's, like, sort of true. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but I don't know. I mean, the the perspective on music now is so, I don't know. I mean, everybody's perspective is different. So I, I, I hate to say it's limited. It's just, I don't, I don't want people to nail down exactly what we, I'd probably be bummed if someone was like, this is exactly what they were thinking and going for, because then it would probably take 
all the mystique out of what we are trying to do. Right. I mean, what's it like for you having like toured kind of pre-internet sort of, I mean, like with with zines and all, I mean, like, are you sort of nostalgic for that time when you could just roll into a city and there weren't, weren't other things or people weren't on their phones at shows or do you like the way you're able to like reach more people now or is it just sort of, this is the way things are, just kind of go with it? I don't really know. I don't really have nostalgia f- in terms of like... I guess I have nostalgia for it in, yeah, in like reviews and like how bands are interpreted. I do have more. I do have nostalgia for that. Like, I have nostalgia. F- I, I I like touring more with us with a an iPhone, of course. Like, I I don't like GPS is cool. Yeah, I don't like yeah. driving. O- like maybe over this next hill, there'll be something we can eat. Like, right, I don't, right. You know, I love Priceline. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, totally. That makes life better. But yeah, I mean, I I like that. Like you used to read a review and say this band sounds good. Maybe we'll go to the show or whatever. Um, but I don't really know. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day that that I don't think it works for. I don't think it has worked for, for me in my advantage at any point in my life. But I I do think even with the internet, obviously there are ways that small groups and small communities champion artists and they become something. And I think, I think it still happens in a very grassroots manner. It's never happened for me and it probably won't. And, and so sometimes when I'm like, Oh, the fucking internet's killed, killed local scenes and it's killed this and it's killed that. And it's made things so petty and people don't research and da, 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 da. Then at the same time, I'm like, well, you know what? They, there are like, pretty small artists that people get really attached to that, that there's a groundswell that, that suddenly they become the next hyped up thing, you know, on the big websites. And sometimes that comes from a really natural organic place. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true and real. And sometimes it comes from the, 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 from the, like the least organic place. But I, I think there is still that reality, and I think that in some ways, in some cases, that is even more in the hands of the people who never had a voice before. Just kind of in the same way that, like, the internet is used for, you know, revolutions or any number of, like, people with without a voice to, to use their voice. I think that there is the way for the kid in, like, Idaho or whatever to, like, get on their fucking Tumblr and champion whatever band and maybe that those seeds pop up all over the country and next thing you know that band's an actual popular band right um and that 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 is real and that's meaningful um so yeah i i I don't think that's always bad and and in terms of like shows and and like i don't know i i i do think I, i think i saw someone a post somewhere about it like about like show photography or live music photography being dead like i think that is is true and i think that is like we're not dead but you know like being hurt i think that is like truly awful i think those days of like pat graham and sean scallon and chrissy piper and like everybody else like that's those those books like that's just awful that that is yeah that is going away because of instagram and that that someone is not going or or just be a flicker or whatever that that like people aren't going to keep buying those books you know that's that's awful 
I mean, that that's not going to be as much of a, a thing as it was at one point in time. So yeah, there are changes that will be truly awful and detrimental to music. Um, but I don't know. I don't really have nostalgia for it. I, I don't know. I was so, I was so young. Like if, right. maybe if the band had existed, if Coliseum had existed from like 1995 to now. And I, you know, like I, I feel like maybe you could ask somebody who had been in a band like from age 25 to 45 and they could maybe have that thing. But for me, it's like, those are so many different periods of my life and different bands that I can't really, it's, they all feel like different journeys. You yeah. Know? I just feel like I tend to kind of idealize that stuff too a little yeah. bit. Cause it's like, you're like, ugh, I used to love that. And you're like, oh, no, I had a CD book with like 12 CDs. We listen to over and over. Yeah. I have this machine that has every song ever on it. Right. But I also think it can sort of give people a second life. Like speaking of like Trevor, like I felt like so many people were into Run the Jewels mm-hmm. and that stuff at South by. And it's like, dude, who would ever think like LP mm-hmm. like would have like that. But I feel like that's another thing. We're just caught on so much because right. of the internet and people. People truly loved it. Yeah. 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 Like guys that, yeah, at that point in their career, like who would have thought? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can still happen for sure. I think it can yeah. still happen to you, Ryan. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's and truly as a pessimist, like sometimes I'm like, Ooh. and then, and then I'm like, shit, man, I'm only 37 years old, you know, like not that, and, and once again, not that I'm looking for stardom or anything, but like, you know, I just want people to, to dig, dig what we do. You know, I want people to come to the shows and like, I don't know, I, I'm definitely like a guy who is drawn to, uh, I don't know what, drawn to like a, a negative uh, personal view. So so it's easy to kind of like internalize those things and go down. But I don't know. We have not really talked about my record, but like I'm, I'm super pumped about our new record and, and people seem to be connecting with it in the way that we want them to. So That's awesome. I mean, how do you sort of, sort of combat that nev- negativity do you try to sa- sort of like be more positive or do you like i don't know uh i mean sorry let this guy with the <laughs> no problem, no problem. Dude. well basically i just let this guy with the uh <laughs> with the uh, usb controller come in here um <laughs> I don't know. It, it comes in waves, you know, it comes up and down. I mean, I guess that's, that's how, that's how my mind works. I mean, within the, within the music, it's like you, you write about it and you fight it that way. You know, you, you, that's why, that's why I feel like the band, the subject matter is dark, but I feel like the outlook is positive. You know, that's how I've always felt about the band. It's not doom and gloom without, without an element of love light and without an element of, of hope. And I've always kind of felt like the band was about like charging ahead and, and kind of like very earnest, which is kind of like an uncool, uh, I feel like being earnest is kind of like an uncool, uh, way to be in music. You know, I think people want to be detached and that's kind of not something I can, I can do, you know, I kind of feel detached from people, maybe because they are so detached, you know, I kind of, I kind of have that, that feeling of like, of, of, of holding on so much to, to how I'm feeling and and to what's going on. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I fight that by creating, you know, fight that negativity by, by pushing forward and doing something. And, and I think the less, less active I am and less I'm moving forward, the more that shit like comes into my head and, 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 and trips me up, you know? Um, so yeah, you put that into a fucking song and then you play that song and you hammer it into the ground and you're hopefully smashing that out a little bit and sharing it and, and, you know, and it gets out there and then, you know, and of course you kind of, you work through it in a million other different ways like anybody else does in their life. Yeah. No, I mean, that's an awesome to have that outlet, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think it's been absolutely helpful to me. I mean, just, I think that the, the trajectory of my life with Coliseum is, is very interesting. Like I, I met, I met my wife, Jamie, like right within a, within a year of starting the band. So, so that has kind of all happened consecutive or what's court. What's the word I'm looking for uh, like, uh, together, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's been a parallel journey. Parallel, uh, yeah. so, so, uh, you know, that, that contentment in life versus like that really tumultuous, like late twenties, like kind of post adolescent life is like, uh, and so, I don't know, actually, having an epiphany at this moment, like, I kind of sometimes feel like maybe I'm having this, like, late 30s return to this, like, tumultuous brain, you know, lately. Uh, so maybe that will, will go away as, as, my, as my 40s happen. But, you know, uh, <laughs> um, maybe it's like a 10-year 10 10 shakeup that happens. Um but yeah, I mean, I, to see like the contentment and 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 joy that's happened, and great things that have happened in the past decade plus, uh, with the band and with my personal life and and creative life, has been pretty amazing, you know. Um, and I think all that's intertwined, and 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 one one couldn't have happened without the other, and that's uh, that's a pretty incredible thing to have and to look back on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ryan Patterson um, from Coliseum. Check out their new album, Anxiety's Kiss. Check them out on tour most of June in the Midwest. Check them out with United Nations. Yeah, and if you see them in the Midwest, check them out with UN. It's going to be, I'm really looking forward to those shows. Benny, what what do you have going on? Aren't you in a band? What, this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Um, How How many bands are you in now? Uh, I guess three but i never know if i'm really like in some of these other bands or not bottom feeder gaslight anthem and well, i mean i do that right? antarctica vespucci stuff oh right with chris and jeff but are i can you, never like play live vespucci with stuff? them so i don't know if like if i just play on their records or if i I'm, saw like, you play live with them though once yeah yeah and then we still kind of have spiro agnew the stoner metal band Okay, but it just it lies dormant for years at a time. <laughs> yeah, so I guess four technically. And I wrote some weird hip hop songs for a commercial last weekend. What nice. kind of commercial? I don't know. We're submitting it through some website where you submit songs to the people who need them. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I did not do that. No, 
What'd you do this weekend? I mean, no, it's just with the with the kids, man, hanging out. It was one of those weekends where it was like we did nothing, but it was terrible. Like everybody was cranky, nothing was going on, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Why was this weekend so terrible?" When previous weekends have been awesome, trying to find a reason to just moody behavior on all our parts. Mm-hmm. One of those weird, weird things. Do you think you needed like a trip to Sesame Place or something, dude? That's like that. That's a cross to bear because you're like, "This is great. The kids are having so much fun." You never realize what hell it is on your parents to take you to an amusement park. Because you're not carrying shit with you. Mm. You know, you're just like, we're going to Hershey Park with my wife's family and all eight of my kids' cousins and their parents. And it's supposed to be like this relaxing weekend at a spa with an amusement park. It's going to be a fucking nightmare between kids ranging from two to 11. There's going to be a murder. I heard taking kids to the beach is crazy. It is crazy because they're having a ball, but you're like, I don't know. Actually, we took my, we take mine to Point Pleasant. Like we'll go there for a weekend or not a weekend for a couple hours. It's rad. It's great. So you don't, you're not like the dad who's wearing like that fishing hat. who's like half burned carrying like four fold up chairs and like a bag of Oh no, I have all that, but I won't wear the hat, but I, I am, I am rocking the Hawaiian shirts now and I'm proud of it. Oh, I tried to find out last time I was in Hawaii if anyone who's Hawaiian actually wears them. And eventually the lady sort of, sort of scratched the surface with me and on the reel was like, nah, nah, really? Nah. Cause I feel like when I was down there, like the newscasters were wearing them, like the weather guy. Really? Yeah. But this was like 10, 15 years ago. Maybe it's not know. a Kauai thing. Maybe. Hmm. I, that was something interesting about Hawaii. I, you know, like I, you know, they're like, Oh, I'd love to find a luau. And then everyone's like, nah, that's just like, what like people do at like weddings and stuff. If you see a luau at a restaurant, that's just some some tourist stuff. Yeah, which is a bummer. I kind of want. That's just to. another reminder that our island was conquered by the white man, dude. There's a whole Hawaiian independence movement. Yeah, man, it's been going on forever. It's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. I got the inside track. <laughs> I learned all about the history of it this last time. I mean, how fucked up. Yeah, their alphabet only has has like like less than twenty letters to it. I mean, how much can they really get done? Fuck, our our alphabet should have less than twenty letters in it. Yeah, I'm the classic example of too many words just being at people's disposal. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really long outro. Yeah, this is (laughs) all right. uh, I'm gonna get us goingofftrack.com, Twitter at goingofftrack, Facebook.com/slash goingofftrack. Boom. Yes, you can donate. You can send us money. You cannot send us money. You can leave us a review. You can. Oh, let's let's promote the dollar a podcast thing. If you listen to an episode you like it, send us a dollar weekly. Like everybody listening right now, send us a dollar that you know helps us break even, keep stuff going, and it costs you a dollar. It's what you would tip a barista. And go to our website, hit donate, one buck. Yeah, because we got some some costs because we have a server with 155 episodes on it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Ryan for coming by. Um, Check out the new Coliseum record, and we will see you next week. Bye.